Bibles, go with me to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. I want to welcome everyone here, all guests and friends and family. Shout out to my cousins who came all the way from Arkansas to be a part of this service and to explore the East Coast. <laughs> Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I do thank you for this opportunity to share your word with your people. I pray that you'll season my words with grace, that I may speak a word to them that are weary. Father, I thank you, Father, for supernatural utterance. Father, I grant unto your people the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you. May they understand the cross like they've never understood it before, and may they live in light of the resurrection. Father, I pray that you, has, you have given us a hope that is beyond this world. Father, even as our Father in the faith hoped against hope, I thank you that we can walk after him in his faith. Father, we thank you for the risen Christ who, who lived his life unto you, who died unto sin, and for our punishment, for, for our sins, and, and took our place so that we may have eternal life. And this eternal life is knowing you and your son. Father, I pray that you'll grant me, your son, supernatural utterance, and that I may boldly make known the mystery of the gospel. And Father, I pray that you will heal bodies, save souls, <laughs> fill them with your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Praise God. Is it hot in here or what? Oh, man. I can't go to hell. <laughs> it's too hot. There's a song called, um, I don't want to go to hell. Hell no. <laughs> hell is hot. Hell is deep. Hell is wide. Hell ain't got no joy. There you go. <laughs> so today I'm going to talk about living life in the shadow of the resurrection. Living life in the shadow of the resurrection. Sorry for the typo. So um, on this day we celebrate the risen Christ. He's no longer dead. So it is wrong for us to wear a cross with a Christ on it because he's no, no longer on that cross. Um, this is the time of the year that we testify and witness our, of our Lord's resurrection collectively as born-again believers in Christ. We celebrate his resurrection every day, but in this day, the world recognizes um, his existence, his life, his death, and his resurrection. Movies are created, right? Um, songs are written, and and plays are, you know, we, people put on plays to represent Christ. Some are good and some are not so good. I'm not going to mention anything recently that was on television, but, but we, we, we understand that um, the things that we see and hear, we must judge by the word to make sure that the word that is accurate, right? So don't take a movie or play or skit dealing with the resurrection of Christ um, for what it is, but actually study the scriptures for yourself. Christ was raised from the dead for our justification. Justification simply means to be declared just or right in the sight of God. Christ, he died for our sins. He lived a life totally yielded to the Father and ever lives to make prayers and intercession for us. He sent us his spirit so that we may know the things that was accomplished through his death. Right? As you read this, the New Testament, you'll see the life of Christ, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, specifically the Gospels. You'll see the life of Christ lived out his teachings. And you actually see redemption accomplished. Salvation was there was a working of salvation for all humanity. And as you read from um, Acts to Revelation, you see that work that Jesus did applied to our everyday life. So I, I want to talk to us about living life in the shadow of the resurrection. How do we live in light of the resurrected Christ? That, that's a good question, right? Um, 
our, our resurrection, both spiritually and physically, is connected to the resurrection of Christ. Because we were resurrected from spiritual death, uh, and we also should be resurrected, resurrected from physical death, right? Our relationship with sin has been destroyed. We're no longer connected to sin. Sin no longer has authority or dominion over our lives. We were once married to sin. Sin was our master and sin was our, you know, spouse. But Jesus destroyed that marriage. And now we are married to him if you're born again. So sin has no right to rule in our lives. If we yield to sin, Christ's shed blood is ready to be applied to our lives in order that we may receive forgiveness if we acknowledge our offense. So sin is not a thing that we should think lightly of, right? Um, we, we sin from what we think about, right? The things that we think about, right? Um, med- what we meditate on. We also sin um, of, of not doing the things that we're supposed to do. So there's this, thank you. There's the sin of commission and there's the sin of omission, right? So we, we're supposed to be doing certain things and we don't do it. We fall short. That's also a sin. So the things that we, should, we did that we shouldn't have done, there's forgiveness for. And the things that we should have done and we didn't do, there's forgiveness. So forgiveness is an important part of our salvation. Um, so Colossians chapter 2, we're going to look at verses 6 through 15. It's so good to be here. Thank you all for your prayers. I was in Texas last week. Dallas, Texas, um, you might have noticed I gained a little weight. <laughs> I ate good. <laughs> ate every day, three or four times a day. There's a lot of food in Texas, a lot of restaurants. Um, I mean, you can just eat, eat yourself to death. Um, a friend of mine, she was telling me about a co-worker of hers who spent $10,000 eating out in one year. That is sin. <laughs> uh, but it's easy to do, you know, when you are um, got that good food down there. <laughs> not that you know, don't do that now, <laughs> and expect God to get you out of debt. <laughs> Lord, I claim supernatural debt cancellation, and you go and do that. You're gonna be working two or three jobs. <laughs> so, um, but thank you all for your prayers, um, Minister down at, at a town called Jefferson, Texas. Um, it, was, um, it was about two and a half hours where I was, um, but it was God blessed us and thank you for your prayers. And I heard that you all did, had an excellent time. I listened to the message of our brother here, Alan, who preached me to tears, <laughs> um, the cross, the divine exchange. And I, I just, if you haven't heard that, please download that um, and listen to it. So this, this today will conclude our, our um, series on the cross. We talk about the cross every single year, hopefully more than just one part of the year. But we focus on it for four or five weeks. And so tonight, today, I'm going to talk about the resurrection. How should we live in light of the resurrection? How does Jesus being raised from the dead affect our everyday life? All right, so Colossians chapter 2, verse 6. You better preach. Um, Therefore, so whenever you find the word therefore, you need to find out why it's therefore. Okay. So that's based on something that he said before. Now, Paul wrote this letter from prison. He's encouraging the believers uh, about who Christ is. He's proclaiming Christ. And he's also proclaiming what Christ did for them and how they should live in light of the cross. And so he starts here, he says, therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him. And in verse seven says, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. So verse six talks about we have we should we have received Christ. So I want to ask a simple question. Who in this building has received Christ? Um, And how did you receive Christ? Um, How do we receive Christ? We simply acknowledge our need for him. 
See, you can't receive somebody you, haven't, you don't know that you need, right? And so we recognize that we need him. We need him. Um, we have to grab hold, the whole of him by faith. So we receive Christ by receiving him, by grabbing hold of him by faith. Even as the woman with the issue of blood who touched the hem of the garment of Jesus and received wholeness by faith. So we receive Christ by faith. We've never seen Christ. Anybody in here ever seen Christ? Um, we've, we don't know what he looks like. We know the description based on the Bible, but we don't know him physically after the flesh. So by faith, we have received him, right? We, we, we believe that God, the father, sent his son to die in our place and that he was so pleased with his life and that his death was the sacrifice for our sins that he raised him up on the third day. And that's what we believe. We just got finished reciting the Nicene Creed. Um, we, we're reciting our faith. We're affirming every week, week in and week out. We're saying this is what we believe as Christians. This is what we believe as followers of Jesus Christ. So we receive Christ by faith. For we know from the scriptures, am I going too fast? Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, it says, For without faith it is impossible to please him. And so he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So the first thing is we got to recognize that there was a Jesus. We recognize the historical Jesus. There was a man over 2,000 years ago who walked among us, who was God in flesh. And so by faith, we believe yet in the historical, in the living Jesus. We receive him by inviting him into our life. We recognize his birth, his life, his death, his resurrection, and his intercession, his prayers. We recognize those things and we apply those things to our life. We look at the teachings of Jesus as he taught about the kingdom of God, as he taught about the father, as he talked about eternity, as he talked about money. We receive those things and we apply those things. But we also apply his life. As Tasha Cobb says, said in one of her songs, his life saved our life. Uh, I mean, he lived a perfect life so that we can have the God kind of life here on earth. It is God's will for us to have heaven on earth. Yeah. Yeah. If it wasn't, we, we shouldn't be praying, Lord, let your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So it is possible to have heaven on earth, heaven in the form of Jesus. Wow. Jesus is heaven coming to us to save us from our, ourselves, save us from the enemy, save us from the wrath of God, save us from the darkness that rule and reign in this life. His life saved our life. We receive him by um, inviting him in. If you don't ask Jesus into your life, he won't save you. He does not force himself into anyone's life. If you notice in the book of Revelation, he says, Behold, I stand at the door of your heart and I knock. It's, it is a decision that you have to make. He is knocking at our hearts. And even after you've been born again, he's still knocking. He wants to come in and make his abode with us. He wants to dine with us and fellowship with us and talk to us and change our lives into his image. But you have to invite him in. Amen. Amen. So when we re receive Christ, it says we take a hold of his work and allow it to remove any, any obstacles between God and us. What's stopping you? What is in between God and you? What's hindering your walk and your understanding of who God is? What's stopping you from really believing? And when I talk about believing, not just a mental agreement, but a life-changing believing. Faith is acting upon the word of God. So if you believe in Jesus, that means that he, he is affecting your everyday life. It's not just, I, yeah, I believe in Jesus. Uh, many people who, who are not saved believe in Jesus, but it's having that living faith. That, 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 that faith that comes from, the, from Father Abraham, that faith that is alive, that faith that is changing you each and every day. So we accept him as our mediator. 
We believe that Jesus is the bridge between God and mankind or humanity. We believe that there is no other way to get to the Father unless you go through Jesus. Jesus is the door. Jesus is the life. Jesus is the light. Are you with me? Amen. Come on, talk to me. Come on, y'all loosen up. This is Easter Sunday. He's risen. He's not dead. He's alive. When you get to heaven, it's not going to be all quiet. There's some dancing, some shouting, some rejoicing. Amen. Come on, don't, let's not be dead. Dead saints, right? We alive. I'm going to show you a scripture in a minute that talks about us being alive. We see him in our place on the cross. So receiving Christ is recognizing that he took our place. He was that big brother. How many of y'all got some big brothers and big sisters, older brothers and sisters? And when you got in trouble growing up, what happened? They took your place sometimes, right? Maybe, maybe not. <laughs> like, hey, I, I drunk the soda. And you really didn't drink the soda, but they get punished for it. Or maybe you were the brother, a big, big, big brother, a big sister, and you take the punishment. That's what Jesus did for us. In other words, he took the butt whooping for us. We deserve the butt whooping, but he says, put it on me. Let you be satisfied with punishing me for them. And that's what Jesus did. That's receiving, recognizing, and accepting that. This is what it means to receive Christ. His spirit takes away our old life and creates a new life. Amen. Amen. His work is, is applied to our life. We become a brand new creature. We become a brand new person. His spirit comes inside and empowers us to know God. I don't know about you, but the ultimate goal of the cross is for us to know God. We want, I want to know God more than anything or anyone else in this world. I want to in, intimately know him. I want to know his thoughts. And I know his thoughts by reading his words. I, I want to know him in prayer. I want to know him on my job. Come on, talk to me. You got to go to work tomorrow morning, right? Or tonight. <laughs> or a couple days from now. I want to know him in my job. How can I know God on my job? How can I know God in my family, in my home, in my community? I want to know him. And Paul says it like this in Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection. I want to know that resurrected power in my life. As Christians, sin should not be ruling us because that resurrected power is able to blow that sin up. We may have some issues, but sin will blow that, those issues up. Amen. You remember the woman with the issue of blood? She had some issues. And that power took care of those issues. Amen. His spirit comes inside. Look, let's look at the latter part of verse two. It says that you as you have received Christ Jesus, the Lord. So we talked about what it meant, means to receive the Lord. It means to acknowledge your sinfulness. It means to acknowledge his lordship. It means to believe on him, have faith in him and allow him to live his life through you. And then he talks around, he says, so that you walk in him. So walk in him. So how do we walk in him? I'm glad you asked. <laughs> Paul is instructing the church to walk in Christ. If you have received Christ, you should be walking in him. Amen. Amen. Jesus provided us the relationship, but we choose to fellowship with him. See, you can't decide who, you are, who you're related to, right? We got some uncles that we, should, we don't want to be related to. We got some cousins, Ray Ray, Pookie, <laughs> Some, somebody's, somebody's relative. Sorry, don't mean to offend you. Um, Jesus provided the relationship. So when people say, I got a relationship with Jesus. Yeah. Even you're saved or not saved. Creator, creature. Judge, sinner. You got a relationship, all right. So don't be moved by people saying, I got a relationship with God. I've talked to numerous people, and they're not saved. I got a relationship with God. I got my own relationship with God. You, you sure do, because you're going to stand before him in judgment, the great white throne judgment that he's going to have to say, depart from me. I never knew you. So relationship is a matter of birth, but fellowship is a matter of choice. That's beautiful. The beautiful babies, sons crying out, yes, <laughs> our father. So Jesus provided the relationship 
and we choose the fellowship. So in order to walk in him, you're going to spend some time with him. You got to pursue him. Walking with Christ or walking in Christ is walking in sync with him day by day. Walking in Christ is walking in holiness or sanctification. It is walking with him and walking in what he accomplished for us. We apply the redemption accomplished to our lives. Reading the Bible helps us to know God. It helps us to know what belongs to us as believers. It shapes our view about life and God. So the reason you should read your Bible is first and foremost so you can know God. So that's how you walk in him, by reading his word. And then you read the Bible to find out what belongs to you as a child of God. Do you know there's some very precious promises that it belongs to you? And it's up to you to appropriate those promises and, and take hold of those promises. And also reading the Bible helps you to shape your view about life, you know, and about God. Walking in him is to walk in sync with him. It is to take our rightful place in Christ. Paul is saying that you should continue to live your life in Christ. Keep looking to him. The Bible says, looking into Jesus, the author and the finisher or the perfecter of our faith. So we need to continue to look to him. You don't get saved and then stop looking to him, right? Stop believing in him or stop using your faith in him. But you walk, you continue on in the things of God. You grow up in him. Come on, talk to me. You're not expected to stay a baby for life. If you stay a baby for a long time in Christ, there's a problem. If you're not growing spiritually, you may not be saved. Because a baby grows, right? A healthy baby. God wants us to grow spiritually and to walk with him and to walk in him and to walk in what he's given us, to walk in complete obedience to his word and his spirit. This is the day that the Lord has called us to walk in him. So make a decision to walk in him this day. Only if you've received him can you walk with him in him. Verse 7 says this. It says, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Part of our walking in Christ is understanding that we must be rooted. Uh, we have our roots in him. Our lives should be understood as the branch and the vine. We are connected with him forever. He's not going away. So stop praying. Lord, be with me today. He's already with you. He's, he's not going to leave you. He's not going to forsake you. He's not going to abandon you. He's with you. He, he's married to you. <laughs> I'm not going nowhere. Fatal attraction. Even if you choose to die, I'm going to be with you. Death cannot separate you from God. Wow. God's love. Um, famine, violence, whatever is going on in your life, nothing can separate you from the love of God. Don't ever doubt God loves you. Don't ever doubt that. If you have to say that a thousand times a day, God loves me. God loves me. If you have to say God likes me and he loves me and he's in love with me, you look to that cross and he says, God loves me. I, I, I'm always on his mind. Everything that he does, he has me in his mind. He, he's concerned with what those things that concerns me. And he will perfect those things that concerns you. He will grow you up in him. So be rooted and grounded in Christ. Our salvation is secure. Our joy is undeniable. Our faith is unshaken, unshaken because of Christ. He is the constant in our life. He's not going anywhere. You know, you have so, some friends and they just, they're going to be there. They're not going, oh, parent, they're just going to be there. They're going to be there in your good times and in your bad times, in your joys and your sorrows. They're just going to be there. That's how Christ is. He's, he's the constant in our lives. He's the only thing constant in this world. See, the world may change, right? Because it's changing. <laughs> um, your hair may change. <laughs> your weight may change. Your, your spouse may change. <laughs> um, your money may change, right? right? Um, but Christ remains the same. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the only thing constant in this life. He's the only thing right in this wrong world. <laughs> He's not going to change. Malachi, he says, I'm the Lord the God, I'm the Lord God that changeth not. He remains the same. 
His standards is the same. He's the same God in the Old Testament as he is in the New Testament. Some people look at the Old Testament as the God of a, he's a monster, but he's the same. It's just that in the New Testament, he's provided the ultimate sacrifice, the ultimate, the, the Lamb of God. No longer do we have to offer up um, animals to the Lord because Jesus is the Lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. So now, no longer, he is not offering, constantly offering up himself. He did it once. And now we can rely on that. Amen. 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 Jesus Christ is the constant... Cultivate thanksgiving as a result of Christ, an unmovable root system. We, we have, it says, being rooted and built up in him and established in the faith. And just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. So the Christian response to what Christ has done for us is that we offer up thanksgiving. So we thank God. Thank you, Lord. I remember Jesus. I thank you, Father, for saving me. That should never get old. I thank you for, for sending me your spirit. I thank you for cleansing me. I thank you that I'm a brand new creature. I thank you that old, my old life has passed away. I thank you that I'm going to spend eternity with you. I thank you cultivating a lifestyle of thanksgiving, always offering up thanksgiving to the Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you for saving. Thank you for delivering. Thank you for giving me peace. Thank you for giving me undeniable joy, joy that the world cannot take away. They can mess up your credit, but that joy remains the same. They can take your house. Oh, no, they can't. <laughs> they can take your house, but your joy will remain the same. Unspeakable joy, joy that remains what we call Jesus joy. Verse 8 says this, send to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the element spirits of the world, not according to Christ. Verse 8 is simply saying, don't allow anyone to deceive you. Don't allow another gospel to overtake you. Judge everything that you hear through the word of God. Don't be deceived concerning your salvation. Don't allow the traditions of men to rob your salvation. There's nothing you can do to earn your salvation. Salvation is a free gift from God. You can't come to church enough to pay for your salvation. You can't read the Bible enough to pay for your salvation. You can't give your way into heaven. Are you with me? You can't witness your way to heaven. Earn it. Some religions make you go out and witness. Why? Because you're earning your way to salvation. Christianity is the only religion that you don't have to earn it. Do, you don't have to do anything to earn it. I mean, you can't earn it. You, it takes God saving us. So we receive it by faith. We don't, it's, in, it's, in, it's by grace alone, in Christ alone, that we're saved. So Christ is our salvation. I'm preaching better than you saying amen. amen. <laughs> Verse 9 and 10 says this. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. And you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. Let's look at this. There is no true knowledge of God without Christ. There is no true knowledge of God without Christ. You can't go get to God except you go through Christ. Amen. The scripture says it's in him we live and move and have our existence. Christ is the exact image of God the Father. If you ever want to see what God looks like, just look at Christ. He's the exact image of Christ, of God the Father. He is the only way to God. There is no knowing God without Christ. Let me say that again. There is no knowing God without Christ. you got to go through Christ in order to know God. Don't let somebody get you caught up in talking about God without talking about Christ. You know, when people receive their rewards, awards, and they're like, I want to give honor to God, who's ahead of my life. You know, I want to thank you without him. Everybody can say God, right? But the problem is when you say Jesus, you're stirring up trouble. Jesus is the revolutionist. He, 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 he is a mathematician. He comes to add, to subtract, to, to multiply, and to divide. He would divide you. 
between, between you and your friends. Come on. So we are to understand that it is through Christ that we get to know God. It pleased the Father so much that the fullness of the deity of the Godhead dwells bodily in Christ Jesus. It is all about Jesus. Don't ever get off of Jesus. If you're talking to a Jehovah's Witness, if you're talking to a Catholic, if you're talking to a Muslim, stay on Jesus. Jesus is, the, is what Christianity is all about. He's constant. So stay on him. So as you're talking, as you're engaging in society, whether you're dealing with the homosexual or the heterosexual, uh, whether you're dealing with a rich person or a poor person, Jesus Christ is it. He's the answer. He's the solution to the sin problem. Don't, don't stay off of Jesus. My dad used to help me when witnessing to Jehovah's Witnesses. This sounds crazy, right? Witnessing to the witnesses. <laughs> um, he says, don't get away from Jesus. They're like, oh, what about this in the Bible? Stay on the constant of who Christ is. Amen. It's about Jesus. Be aware of people wanting to talk about God without Christ. You can't know him. You can't even be born again without Christ. Christ is the salvation of the world. He's the salvation of the world. We are complete in Christ. Say, I am complete in Christ. Everything you need is in Christ. Somebody was trying to say it. Everything you need is in Christ. Joy, peace, provision, healing for your body, peace in your mind, wisdom. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians that Jesus, God has made Jesus wisdom unto us. He's the wisdom of God. He's the power of God. He's the son of God. He's the son of man. He's the peace between God and us. He is the way maker. Are you with me? And so Jesus Christ is in him. Everything we need is in him. Everything you need, all your problems are solved in him. Everything, look to him. He is all that you need. As the scripture says in Ephesians chapter 1, he is, the all, he is our all in all. So, if you need forgiveness of sins, it is in Christ. If you need provision, it's in Christ. If you need healing for your body, it is in Christ. If you need some deliverance, come on, help me out. Some people need some deliverance. And deliverance, deliverance from demons. You know, some people are demon oppressed and demon possessed. Um, the other day, I was walking, working, and um, I was teaching in a class, and the um, administrator for the the um, the test that that, that I'm a part of came to me and says. We need you now. I'm like, okay, you just interrupted me teaching. What, what do you need? You know, and I'm walking down the hallway with them, with her, and she said, "This person right here is a witch, and she's operating in some witchcraft in this classroom. I need you to do something about it." I'm like, "You can't even get me for that. I just want to teach science and math. I ain't got time for this." Uh, so I went. And I took care of it. Don't ask me how. <laughs> and, then I told, and then I told her, I said, it's taken care of. And walked back. <laughs> but she is a professing believer. And guess what? She had the same authority. She could have did the same thing. She didn't have to come get me. And the one lady, she's like, you are covering at this job. You're, I'm not your covering. Your husband is your covering. <laughs> the devil is a liar. I'm not covering you. <laughs> um, so we, that was a purpose of me saying that. <laughs> it is in Christ that we have deliverance. That's what it was. Christ is the head of our authority. He is our all in all. He rules forever. Um, let's take a look at verse 11. Verse 11. It says this. It says, in him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. So we see here that it's because of Christ that we are circumcised spiritually. We are sanctified, set apart for God. Circumcision is simply a, a symbolic of an inward work of God. Right. It's similar to baptism, water baptism. Circumcision, we know from the Old Testament, um, was a covenant that God made between God and Abraham. 
right? And so Christ is our circumcision. He, he, he was circumcised in our place. In other words, he was the one to make covenant with God for us. He is the covenant maker. So we have a covenant with God now. What is a covenant? It is a contract or agreement, right? A husband and wife, they have a covenant. Nothing should, should break that covenant. But if somebody cheats, that's a way of, you know, say, hey, I'm out of this covenant. But with God, it's different. He's never going to leave us. <laughs> you can sin a hundred times. He's going to remain the same. Right. Forgiveness is available until you die. And so here, Jesus is the covenant maker. He made a covenant between God and humanity. So we go to God based on what Jesus has done. Because of that covenant that God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit made way before we ever existed, that covenant stands eternal. It's called the eternal covenant. The New Testament is called what? The, the, the eternal covenant. It's the, the will and the covenant of Jesus Christ. And he's the only person that actually died and rose again to make sure the covenant was carried out. You know, most people, when they die, they leave a, leave a will, right? And that will, they, they don't know if that person, that lawyer, that power attorney, the person representing them is going to carry out that covenant. But Jesus is the only person that actually created the covenant, turned around and died, that covenant and that will, and turned around and was raised from the dead to make sure that covenant is carried out. Right. You have a covenant, amen? amen. Say, I have a covenant with God, covenant through, Jesus Christ. through Jesus Christ. Amen. Verse 12. Verse 12 says this, having been buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through faith in the power working of God who raised him from the dead. Let's stop there. It's, it talks about how it is through his death we died to sin, um, which is represented in our water baptism. When the person is baptized in water, um, that is representing the death and the, the burial and the resurrection of Christ. They're dying, they're going down, and they're coming up brand new. That is the death and life of Christ. Amen. So can you see Christ as our substitute? Water baptism represents what took place at the cross in the resurrection. Our sins were buried with him. Our old life and our life of sin, the divorce to sin took place. We are now married to Christ. Let's go to verse 13 through 15. This is it. I'm almost finished. 13 says this. It says, and you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all of our trespasses by counseling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the ruler and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. All right, that's a mouthful. Uh, so when we're thinking about God, think about that God made Christ to be sin for us. And God made us alive with Christ. Our life is in Christ. Our life is in Christ. So the beef between God and us has been removed through the death and the resurrection of Christ. At one point, there was beef between God and us. Now that beef is squashed through Christ. Amen. We are forgiven for our trespasses. And you may say, what are trespasses, right? I'm glad you asked. Um, it's breaking the law. It's, it's committing an offense. So when you trespass against somebody, trespass against their property, property you're, you're, you're committing an offense. And we are forgiven. Say, I'm forgiven. forgiven. Do you understand that forgive, forgiveness is not automatic? So don't go around saying everybody's forgiven. No. Forgiveness has been provided for everyone, but only those who are appropriated by faith in Jesus. You can't get forgiveness just because you, oh, God is such a forgiving God. He is, but you got to ask for it. You got to go through Jesus for it. You can't get forgiveness just because he's a forgiving God. You get forgiveness by acknowledging his son and having faith in his son and confessing your mess up. And then forgiveness can take place. Amen. You remember the scripture in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9? It says, um, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So you got to do some confessing. No longer do we have to go through a priest, 
but we can go to God through Jesus, say, Jesus, I'm confessing my sins. I messed up today. We know, son. Come on, spit, spit it out. The reason why you need to confess is because he wants you to acknowledge the offense. You know, if we don't ever deal with it, it's just like, oh, he, he'll forgive me. Have you ever seen somebody like that with that attitude? Oh, he'll just forgive me. That type of attitude is, is not an operation of grace, but it's actually an operation of, of sinfulness, thinking that, oh, it's a life thing. Amen. Sin. All right, let me say this. Um, someone had to pay the price for you to be forgiven. Someone had to pay the price for, for you to be forgiven. Sin is a serious matter in the sight of God. Christ paid the penalty for our sins. Sin puts us in debt, all right? Um, we are in debt to God. Uh, let, let's talk about debt a little bit. Uh, let's talk about financial debt. All right, don't raise your hand if you're in financial debt. <laughs> There's nothing to be embarrassed about. Um, there's forgiveness, and let's pray. <laughs> um, so people get in debt for all kinds of reasons, right? Um, they get in debt for student loans, right? What they consider good debt, which is really not such thing as good debt, right? I mean, it's, 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 student loans are kind of really demonic. I mean, they just—they're the new—it's a new slavery, right? <laughs> I mean, you working—you're not working to make a—you know—to live, but you're working to pay off them student loans. And in 25 years, right? And after 25 years, whatever you owe is supposed to be forgiven, right? That, that's the—that's the thing that they say, right? So that's if you live 25 years working those three jobs trying to pay off the student loans, right? Um, so people get in debt through student loans, credit card debt. All right, don't look straight. If you got credit card debt, we don't need to know. Just look. Look straight. All right, smile. Praise God. Credit card loans, debt. All right, so you, you're charging stuff that you, you know, you, you're buying stuff on credit. Oh, yeah, you know, I want to get this. I'll pay it back. You know, the 25 days come by and you still didn't pay it back. So they, it's interest rates, right? 29.9% APR. Whoa, that's crazy. So they're paying you to borrow credit and you're putting you in bondage for that, for that many loans. And you just, oh, I'll just pay the minimum. And you pay the minimum until Jesus comes, right? <laughs> <laughs> you're still paying on it. I mean, so that, that's, and then you have purchasing a home, right? That, that's, that's debt, right? You, you owe this mortgage, and then um, borrow money from company, companies or relatives to take care of a need. Oh, let me borrow this. Let me borrow 2500 and borrow that. And so there's all types of debt. Um, let's just say this. Um, we, let's say I come to you and say, add up your debts and I'll pay them all off. <laughs> you got excited. Yes, car payments, right? That's another one we didn't mention, right? Um, you know, you're paying for the car that by the time you finish paying for it, it's not worth what you paid for. Same thing with the house, right? Um, and uh, that wonderful career that you thought you were going to have and you took out all that money. Oh, I'm going to be making money and I'm going to be able to pay it back. And that time comes and it's like some, some loans is not even six months. It's the next month after you graduate. Hey, Sally Mae, what's up? <laughs> um, so let's say I tell you to add up all your debts and I will pay them off. Mm, no. <laughs> I'm just speaking in tongues. <laughs> so, so Christ is the person who paid the debt. We, had, we were in so much debt, not just, no, I'm not talking about financial debt. I'm talking about spiritual debt. I'm talking about sin debt. We sinned so much, we came out of the womb sinning. I mean, we just came out just having a rebellious spirit. You know, we were full of, full of ourselves. Change me now. Change me now. You will feed me now or you won't sleep. Come on. New mothers. <laughs> come, we come into the world owing God. <laughs> sinning, sinning, and then, you know, you walk a little bit, and, and it's just, you know, um, Destin is at a place now, um, he'll, you know, say, hey, say I'm victory, you know, there's a song by Kurt Franklin, one, two, three, you know, victory, and he said, one, two, three, you don't got the victory, you know, one, two, three, you're going down, I'm like, why do you say that? <laughs> just saying the opposite, it's called what the Bible calls perverse speech, yeah. you're saying the opposite, that's sin, 
So we come into the world sinning. And therefore, we got not only what Adam did, but what we do, that's, that debt accumulates. There's nothing we can do to pay for it. See, we think, this is what we think. We think, let me do something good to cancel out the bad. We do that with people, right? <laughs> you cussed out somebody, let me go buy lunch. <laughs> Thinking that's going to make everything okay. <laughs> you did something to your spouse, let me get some flowers. That's not going to work. Let's sit down. <laughs> it was your birthday. <laughs> let's sit down and let's talk about this offense, right? Right, right. That, that's the, that's nothing you can do with God to get rid of that spiritual debt. We would just, we just continue, we, con we continually, even after we're saved, accumulate debt. We're just accumulating. We're just storing up God's wrath. We're just storing it up. And then Jesus says, all right, my death, my life is going to give value to my death because my death is going to pay for their debt. The Bible says that Jesus set aside counseling the record of debt that stood against us. He nailed it to the cross. So no longer do I have to come to God based on my debt. I come to God based on Jesus' record of making the slate clean. No longer does God look at me as a sinner. Now I'm his child who's forgiven, who's brand new. When I confess my sins, the blood of Jesus applies to my life, begins to, that redemption begins to be applied to my life, applied to my life, and then I can come to God boldly without the sense of guilt or condemnation. Though I messed up, there was provision made for my mess up. No longer do I have to be, oh, God. So don't stop reminding God of your sins. Once you confess them, it's a done deal. The Bible says that he separates us from our sins as far as the east is from the west. They're not going to meet east and west. They're never going to meet. I don't care what gang you're in. <laughs> east and west, they're not going to meet. <laughs> All right. um, and what and one, one, one saying is that we take the sin God takes the sin and puts it into the sin of forgetfulness. He doesn't remember our sins anymore. Now, that doesn't give you a license to go out and say, I'm going to sin some more so I can get some more grace. You don't want to do that. You're frustrating the grace of God. But the heart is, when you mess up, confess up. And he forgives you and cleanses you. And that thing is no longer an issue. When I, when I punish my son, I make him confess. What, why are you in trouble? Because I call mommy ugly. Okay. <laughs> True story. All right. I'm going to spank you. I want to do it again. I want to do it again. I know you're not going to do it again. All right. Raise your hand. Ask Jesus to forgive you. Jesus, forgive me. And, and, and rebuke the devil. Devil, get off of me in Jesus' name. True story. And then after he does that, I embrace him and I say, you are forgiven. I will never bring this up again. It's a done deal. That's what Father God does. When you repent and turn from your sins, he doesn't remember it anymore. Not that he's, he's lost, he has a loss of memory, but he chooses not to remember it. He's, it's, not, it's not held to your account. Your account is clean. You're free. Amen. Let me give you my points, and then I'm going to call it a day. It talks about we're no longer bound by sin. We're no longer slaves to it. We are free people. Say, I'm free. I'm free in Jesus. Christ disarmed the enemy through the cross and the resurrection. Jesus destroyed the, the works of Satan. He freed humanity from the power of Satan. Humanity only has freedom when they receive it by faith. It's like this. It's like being in prison, right, for years and years and years, but you don't realize that you're already made free. The gate, the, door, the gate is open. The door is open. The prison door is open. All you have to do is walk out of it. Humanity has already been made. There's provision for humanity with freedom from Satan. They just have to walk through the door, which is, who is Jesus. They can receive it. The same thing with us. Provision has already been made for us. Everything we need in life has been provided in Christ. 
All we have to do is receive it by faith. Amen. Amen. Satan is no longer a threat to us. He's no longer an issue. Satan has been dealt with along with sin. So let's walk in Christ today. We are alive in Christ. Outside of Christ, we are dead. So let's walk in him. We are forgiven. We are free from sin. We are justified with God. We have an inheritance. And here are the four applications. Number one, when Satan reminds you of your past, which he'll do, remind him of his past. He was defeated on the cross. Jesus dealt him a blow. No longer is he, he can hold that against us. Number two, walk in Christ daily. Walk in Christ daily. Number three, stop allowing sin to control your life. Stop allowing sin to control your life, whether it's gossiping, complaining, murmuring, whatever the case is, don't allow that to control your life. According to Romans 6, you have been declared free. You are free from sin. And last but not least, feed your faith on the resurrection of Christ, of the resurrection of Christ. Feed your faith on the resurrection of Christ. Amen. Amen. Father, I do thank you for your word. I thank you that you have declared us free from sin. I thank you that the, the debt that we owe God, the Father, has been wiped away. We can walk in newness of life because of Christ. May we rise up today and walk in Christ today. May we take our rightful place, totally relying on Christ for our salvation. I thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you're here today and you do not know Jesus, everybody look up this way. If you don't know Jesus, I would love to talk with you about him, sit down with you and, and, and pray with you and explain the gospel. Jesus wants to save you. Salvation is provided.